oftentimes we, we can't help being attracted, um, of course, to people that make us feel like we're at home and that that's because it gives us the sense of familiarity. And so somebody else on a dating app might, you know, hold all the ideal qualities that we have in our head, but then you might not feel that chemistry with them in person. of Dear Men. I'm excited about this one because we have a hardcore online dating expert with us. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Eve. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, Eve Peters, you have been with many online dating um, companies. Uh, and so I'm really interested in hearing your perspective on sort of the industry as a whole and then any advice that you might have around it because you really have uh, quite a breadth of experience and also depth of experience with your own online dating app uh, that we'll get to. So um, thanks for being on. I would love to hear just to start, like what was the, or what is your origin story when it comes to kind of launching your own online dating app? Like what, what was your experience and then why did you choose to create your own app? So I actually, in the course of my online dating career, which I never even planned as my career, um, I ended up starting one website and two different apps. And it all started back in 2006. I was, at that time, you know, there were no smartphones really, um, at least not in the mainstream market yet. So it was all about online dating websites, mainly uh, Match.com. I think Plenty of Fish was around then. Um, and it was still pretty fringe, um, but I was relatively new to San Francisco, just a couple years out of university, and I found that my social circles um, continued, and my social circles and romantic possibilities continued to be basically limited to alums from my university. And I was thinking, oh, there's this internet thing, and I, you know, heard you can meet new people um, through the internet. And even though it was really highly stigmatized, I just liked the idea from the get-go of getting to connect with people that I wouldn't otherwise cross paths with. So I found myself as a pretty early adopter in 2006. Um, I was using Match.com and I would message people back and forth and and set up dates and was meeting people, um, you know, several degrees of separation away from the people I I would have met otherwise. And um, I liked it on the whole, but being in my early 20s, you know, that's a really, for a lot of people, a really extroverted time in life where, you know, going out with your friends is still often a big part of your life. And I hated feeling like at that time I had to choose on a particular Thursday or Friday night, say, between, you know, meeting a new guy or getting to spend time with my friends. And so I kind of had this fantasy, oh, what if I could, I could do it all at once? you know, my friends and I would go meet up with a guy and his friends and it would just be kind of more like a a group getting to know each other. Um, And I like this idea not only because it would allow me to 
both hang out with my friends and meet new people. But instead of just um, meeting one person at a time, I could meet several. So it just seemed like really efficient um, on, on multiple levels. And uh, I, with this idea, in the very back of my mind, I found myself, for other reasons, living in Buenos Aires, Argentina for a little while. And it just coincidentally turned out that there was a burgeoning enclave of software developers and web designers down there and that it was very affordable and doable to build a website. And so I, under the the mentorship of someone I met who had been an entrepreneur in the 90s, found myself um, just sort of cobbling together my first dating website. Um, And it was really something I built to sort of solve my own problem and turned out to be something that, you know, a lot of people at that time were interested in as well. And then since then, I've gone on to to start a a number of other dating apps with with different ideas. But that is how it all started. So did you, was that original thing, was that grouper basically, like a group dating idea? It was, yeah, it was very similar to grouper. It was called Mixed, um, but quite, quite the same idea as grouper, but before grouper came out. And did it, did it work? Like, did you, did you get to go on fun group dates? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a little community going mostly in San Francisco um, for a little while. Uh, people, you know, especially the target age group, which was my age group at the time, so early to mid-20s, they really liked that idea. Um, you know, it takes the pressure off of a one-on-one date, and it's, uh, the group date actually emulated the way people were socializing already. When you think about it, going on a date is sort of this, it's become like a sort of normalized social custom, but it's not really the way we, we interact instinctively or normally, you know, instinctively or normally we, we get to know people, um, gradually in the course of some other activity or in the workplace. Um, and so, or, you know, we, we hang out with our friends and happen to meet people while we're out with our friends. And so this gave people a chance to continue engaging in their usual social behavior, but just adding in the the twist of knowing that they would they would get to meet new people while they were doing so. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that about work because I was working on an article about dating at work, like workplace dating, and one of the statistics I came across I found tremendously significant, which is one third of people who start dating someone from work marry that person. A third yeah. of work relationships end in marriage. Well, not end in marriage, but lead to marriage because, and my theory is that you've actually gotten to know this person that you, like you said, it's a getting to know you over time thing rather than kind of an arbitrary, like you meet on the first date and by the second date, you're like, so do you want kids? Like, what the fuck? We just met actually, but it's an important question if that's where you're, where you're going. Um, but it's, it is kind of strange actually. Um, and it's interesting the getting to know you thing because, I think for a lot of us who went to college, there's this thing that happens after college where you're like, oh, wow, it's a lot harder to meet people. Like in college, you're in classes and you're in clubs and you're in dorms and you're getting to know people over time that could be dating possibilities in like a more natural way. And then out in the world, it's like, oh, that totally went away. Like, especially if you're kind of going to work every day and then coming home, like it's sort of it becomes more difficult to meet people organically. Exactly. And 
and once you get into that adult world and and see that it's a lot harder to meet people organically, you realize how much of a luxury almost that it was to get to not only know people gradually in college, but you get to sort of pre-vet people. You don't even realize you're doing it, but you get to pre-vet people in that process of getting to know them gradually over time. Um, and feelings can evolve more slowly and commitments can evolve more slowly. I think, you know, a lot of college relationships come out of people who have become nearly best friends over time and then they just can't help loving each other. Whereas the framework of adult dating and in particular online dating is from the very first date, there's this premise and almost this pressure that you need to start loving each other really soon. Yeah, that's an interesting point of that's a, yeah that's an interesting point there is a I feel like there is a lot of pressure which is something I wanted to to ask you about but let's go in chronological order so you start this mixed mix or mixed thing mix 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 mm-hmm. and then and then what and then I found myself um a little bit later working for OkCupid Lab which incidentally was they were trying to take the lessons that they learned from the dating space because they'd already found a good amount of success in dating and apply it to other sorts of social situations in life. So I actually there was working on um, a roommate matching website called Crashpad, like a roommate and apartment marketplace. Um, But it was laid out just like a dating website because when you think about it, when you're trying to find compatible roommates, there's a lot of overlap with trying to find a compatible romantic partner. Um, but you know, Craigslist, which is to this day, I think still the main way people find open rooms and apartments, um, is a pretty depersonalized format for doing that. Um, and so, uh, it, it was less about getting into personality algorithms and more about presenting the most meaningful and important information up front. So presenting information about, um, you know, everything from like pictures and information that conveys your lifestyle, um, you know, how, how you feel about pets in your home, that sort of thing. And that was, um, that was a lot of fun. And following that, so I really wanted to get back into the dating space because while I was working there is when, you know, smartphones came to rise and specifically Tinder just blew up and really took away the stigma that online dating had suffered from until that point and, you know, made internet dating go mainstream. And this, theme, which was to me super obvious and clear and problematic, emerged quite quickly. Um, You know, I think I experienced it both in my own dating life and heard all of my peers talking about it, which was this intense frustration with all the time and energy people spend on dating apps, swiping and messaging back and forth and matching, um, and how often it would actually lead to nothing. It would either lead, like, somebody would ghost and so they'd never make it to even meeting in real life or there would be all this build up after two weeks of messaging and trying to coordinate when and where the meetup could happen only to make it to a date where within the first 20 seconds um, one or both parties would, would have that sinking heart feeling that you have on a first date where you're like oh this is just definitely not a match for me um, and so there's really this kind of like sine wave of like up, you know, up and down, you get excited about possibility and then you're let down and then you kind of have to summon the energy again um, to go on another first date and over and over again. Um, and so that became a problem that I really wanted to solve. So when I left OKCupid Labs, I founded this company, Wins, um, with a specific aim of making a dating app that was all about streamlining 
the process of getting from the app to the date, making it super easy for people to just get to the real life part. Yeah. And I want you to, I would love, because I loved the concept initially when you first, um, started talking about it. And I, um, I think I was living in a city that didn't have whim yet. I can't remember. I think I was in DC or something, but my understanding is that you, um, you go on a date tonight, right? So you, how does that work? Right. Cause it's so today's what Monday that we're recording this. So if I were to go on whim, is it like matches available today? It's go on a date tonight. Like how does it actually work? Yeah, basically. So we actually at this point have two apps that are both about streamlining getting to the face-to-face, but um, each offers a little bit of a different value proposition. So the you're right. The initial concept for WIM was go on a date tonight. We ended up expanding um, the possibilities through WIM so that you could sign up for a date any night this week because some people, for some people that, that in, intensive sort of spontaneity was too much. Um, like they liked the idea of let's just get straight to planning the date, but maybe let's not make it same day. So um, if you, let's say you wanted to, today's Monday and you want to go on it, you know, you want to, you're going to be free. You want to go on a date Thursday night. You go on whim. You say, I'm free Thursday night. And you indicate a certain neighborhood you're free in and how many miles you're willing to travel from that neighborhood. Um, and then if you already have a match in your queue who happens to be free, uh, Thursday night in or around that neighborhood, then you'll instantly have a date set up. And if you don't have a match yet, then you can start swiping in order to eventually get a match. And then you'll be alerted as soon as there's someone who's free to meet you Thursday night. With our second app, which is called Tonight, it's exactly um, what you were describing. It's basically sign up by 6 p.m. to go out on a date tonight. So in both cases, you're kind of pre, you're pre-committing to the date. You're saying, like, if you're on whim, you're saying, I am free Thursday at eight, right? And so, like, if you get a match, you're going on a date. Exactly. You're pre-committing to the date, but you always have agency over, you know, you're, you're still always approving who you're going to go on a date with. There's no blind dates. You still get to see profiles. And with each profile, you indicate, yes, I'm willing to meet this person or no, I'm not. But exactly. You're not on other dating apps. You're saying when you swipe right, you're saying, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll text with you. And then maybe I'll go on a date with you. But on whim and tonight, when you swipe right, you're saying, if you and I end up being free um, around the same time and place, then we're going to just meet in real life and do whatever whatever we would have gotten done over texting beforehand. We're just deciding to do that in person. And I'm so it's curious. Kind of like it's, it's no big it's no big deal. Um, you know, meet somebody for 45 minutes, have a drink or a tea with them. Um, you actually often end up spending more than 45 minutes cumulatively. I'm trying to vet them online. So why not do that face to face? That's such a good point. And I'm curious since you do have insight in different dating apps and companies, do you find, do you, and can you speak to this? Like, do you find that Wim and tonight have lower swiping rates because people are like, okay, I'm really going to meet up with this person. If I say yes to this and he says yes too, we're, we're hanging out on Thursday. Yes, exactly. So people are, I mean, I think people are already too picky, even on all the other dating apps. Um, I, this is based on knowing that if you meet almost any happy couple and ask them, you know, what if you had 
sorry, if you meet any happy couple that didn't meet on a dating app, um, and you talk to them about what, what would you have thought if you had seen this person's profile on a dating app, they almost always will say, yeah, it's crazy. You know, I think I never would have swiped right on this person. Um, because we don't actually know what we're looking for. We don't actually know how we're going to feel in real life. There's so much information you can't get from an online dating profile. So people are already, I think, too discerning or discerning about often the wrong things on dating apps. And then, um, yes, they became even pickier in the context of when and tonight when they knew that they were going to have to meet in real life. That's so interesting about the happy couple thing. I The last statistic I looked at said about 20% of current married people met online. So mm-hmm. four out of five couples did not meet online. Four out of five couples met, met somewhere in real life. And apparently a large percentage of those met at work. But um, uh, <laughs> when you when you say like people aren't sort of being discerning about the right things... What what do you think are the right things? Like, what do you think people should be more looking at mostly? Well, I think a lot of the quote unquote right things are things you that are impossible to look at on a dating profile. Um, you know, I think the things that that really make two people compatible are things that you can only detect in person, and this ranges from pheromones to circadian rhythm to a lot of it has to do with what did each person learn from in their last relationship? What are they reacting to um, about their history? Um, oftentimes, we, we can't help being attracted, um, of course, to people that make us feel like we're at home and that that's it because it gives us this sense of familiarity. And so somebody else on a dating app might, you know, hold all the ideal qualities that we have in our head, but then you might not feel that chemistry with them in person. Um, because they're just simply not familiar enough. And of course, that seeking out familiarity can get us into trouble in terms of like repeating patterns that relational patterns that were established in our childhood, you know, some of which might be unhealthy. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of the times they're sort of critical to feeling attraction and chemistry with someone. Yeah, what I hear you saying is um, the things that really matter show up in person. So the most, the best way to discern is to go out in person, which is, it sounds like is part of why you, you founded the, the apps that you did, which is like, let's just streamline this. And I can totally relate to that sense of like frustration around online dating of like, I feel like it's just one big texting thing. And then a lot of the guys that I match with often don't ask me out anyway. So we're, you know, we're messaging back and forth for like a week. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I, I have a lot of friends. Like, I don't really need another friend. Like, I kind of want to meet and see if there's chemistry here. So, um, like, are we doing this or like, what, (laughs) you know, what is happening? And then even (laughs) if they do ask me out, there's that thing that you said of like, I'm free this night. Are you free this night? Are you free this afternoon? Like, there's all of that kind of like back and forth versus something like whim or tonight where you look at, you look at your own schedule and this week and you say like, I can meet Tuesday or Friday evening and then you go on. And then other people that are free those nights, if they're free, like you're going on a date then that's all sort of handled already. Exactly. And then you get to the part where you can, you know, you can pick up on a person's energy and the sound of their voice and the way they move their body and their eye contact. 
and how they actually like, do you feel like they're listening when you're talking or, um, or are they just, you know, getting ready to say their next thing? Um, and all these things, I think they matter so much more than the little bits of profile information we can pick up on a screen. For sure. And I'm curious as someone who's in the industry, what have you used to sort of measure success when it comes to tonight and whim? Yeah, it's a good question because I think a lot of people reduce success in online dating to like successful marriages um, because I really believe in the value of any intimate relationship in which two people get to know each other and have experiences together and grow and learn from each other. Um, one you know barometer of success that I like to use is a cup is two people that met on our app that ended up going on ten or more dates. Because um, even if it doesn't end in marriage, I still think it's that, you know, if they like each other enough to pursue a relationship, I think it was absolutely a worthwhile pursuit. I really like that. I was just talking to someone the other day about how we measure success of a relationship in our culture. And it seems to be length of time. Like, how long were you together? Mm-hmm. Oh, we were together for two years. But actually, the better way to measure it is depth of connection, like how deep did we get and how much did we each grow? And you can do that. I mean, God, there's people that you can be with for two months where you have the kinds of conversations and the kinds of experiences where you feel like, wow, I learned a lot about myself and relationship and this person. And I really grew. And then there's people you can be with for two years where you're not talking about the important stuff. You're (laughs) playing out old patterns, like you said, and you don't really grow that much, you know? until maybe the very end when you finally start having the honest conversation. So I think that that's a, that's like a larger conversation, but I like what you said about like measuring success by 10 or more dates, because that means there was, there was some kind of connection there. There was some kind of connection, even if it didn't lead to, you know, the white picket fence. Exactly. And while that was something we, we sort of used, um, you know, when we were following up doing interviews with people, you know, as I reflect on it now in this conversation with you, I actually think that anytime somebody would say that they're glad they met that person is a success, even if it was just one date or, you know, or three dates, it doesn't even have to be a longstanding thing. I think, um, especially on this app where it, it theoretically should only take a minute or two to get from seeing that person's profile to meeting them in real life, then then it's absolutely success as long as they enjoyed their time together. I really like that. Okay. So, so you found it tonight and whim and then, and now I'd like to ask you like, personally, like, did you use the apps too? like, what was going on in your dating life during all of this and how did it affect your dating life? I sure did. I used them quite a bit. And interestingly, you know, when I first started working on building WIM, I was in a really long-term relationship. So at that time, it wasn't, when I started it, I didn't think, I thought, wow, everybody needs this, but I didn't think I was going to need it. And then about a year into um, working to get that first app off the ground, that relationship ended. And so I, um, in an unplanned way, found myself uh, what they call like dog fooding in the industry, which is when you use your own product. Um, and I went on a ton of whim dates and a ton of, um, dates on tonight eventually. And, um, it was interesting. I, it's like, I never planned it this way, but I felt like my life became 
all about online dating because I was working in online dating and then I was doing online dating and I wouldn't only use women tonight. I would use other apps um, as well across the board. And then on these dates, all the dates ever wanted to talk to me about was online dating. So um, I became like super immersed in that world and um, almost to the point where I think the sort of singular dimensionality of it um, eventually over time became a little bit problematic for me. You know, it's already, even somebody who doesn't work on online dating, they've experienced, there's already this term for it. People call it online or dating app fatigue or online dating fatigue. And I think I was um, eventually feeling that in an extreme way. Um, that said, I'm happy to say I've had a number of meaningful long-term relationships with people that I met online. And so while it's not necessarily my favorite way to get to meet somebody or my favorite story to tell, I'm really grateful for that avenue. Yeah, I, I, that's, um, that's very comprehensive. I feel like that's, it sort of like covers the spectrum of like, it got kind of tiresome or there was a lot, definitely online dating fatigue, but also I'm imagining there were periods of time where you were dating someone that you liked off of these. And then, I mean, I'm imagining you would take a break from the apps at that point and be in the relationship. Absolutely. And just like everybody else, and it's funny, I find that, um, you know, in all of my sort of dating escapades, usually one of the first things that the two of us would talk about is how we just, you know, we've been doing it, but we can't wait to get off the app. You know, we can't wait to meet somebody that um, it's going to stick with. Uh, for a while so that it's like everyone's reluctantly using the apps because they're so efficient and effective but nobody really is enjoying the process it's more like people are enjoying the reward yeah and that kind of brings me to my next question which is I'm imagining you did a bunch of I mean you have a lot of data from the apps that you that you founded and you probably also did interviews with people like you were saying that were using the product what were like, what was some of the feedback in terms of, you know, how it felt to use these ones that are more efficient, like women tonight versus, I don't know, OkCupid, Hinge, Match, or Tinder? Yeah. So I think there were two different sort of categories of feedback I would get. And one category was, this is the app I've been waiting for, like group texting. It's so frustrating. You know, I was so ready for this. I just like, I just want to like get to the bar and meet someone for a drink and sort of thank you for creating this. And then the other major category of feedback was this seemed like a really scary premise to me at first and I wasn't sure about it. Um, you know, usually I like to, a lot of people say usually I like to quote, get to know somebody over text first. Um, but then they would say, you know, but then I tried it and I realized it's actually not that, that scary and so now I'm getting more comfortable with it. Um, so it was twofold. And I think, I think people's amenability to these apps was really dependent on how long they had been using the other dating apps for. Had it been long enough to, A, become frustrated with the time and energy they were spending that wasn't yielding results, um, and B, to notice a pattern within themselves, which was that um, often the people they would think that they would have great chemistry with based on texting would end up being um, not so awesome when they got to the date. So sort of like this false positive issue that comes up with uh, for a lot of people in online dating where, you know, texting chemistry 
you think you're getting to know somebody, but it's not, it doesn't actually turn out to be a great proxy for or indicator of real life chemistry. That is such a good point. I can't tell you how many people I've sort of met in real life and then texted with them and been like, oh, they don't use punctuation. They don't use emojis. And so I, I kind of feel like they're mad at me or something like, but it's not true. <laughs> like they're just not into texting. Like they're just better in person. And because I got to know them in person first, it wasn't really a big issue, but I imagine actually right. like if, yeah, I just think that's a really good point about how, how a person communicates online or through texting isn't necessarily the same as what it's like to be with them physically. So that's a really, that's just a really good point. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, and I think the example you just brought up is a case of, of the false negative. So it can go either way. You can get a false negative from somebody doing dating app texting and think, oh, you know, they're not very dynamic. And then you never meet them. And they could have been super dynamic in real life. Um, so, you know, or the false positive way, which is they seem really dynamic over text, but then they're crazy awkward in real life. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we think we're getting to, we think we're getting really valuable information in that in that process, but there's, it can just be misleading, you know, in both directions. So I'm curious now we've sort of caught up to the present. Um, where do you, and in terms of like the present and, and men in particular, since this podcast is for men, like, what do you think are some things that men can do to kind of optimize their online dating experience? It sounds like, it sounds like from what I'm hearing is like, get to the date as fast as you can, like get, Go, go meet this person physically. Definitely. Yeah. I think get to the date as, as soon as you can. Another thing, you know, based on the data, sometimes people would write into our support channel, um, sort of complaining, Oh, you know, I've been on your app for a long time, but I'm not, I'm hardly getting any matches. And then I would go look at their, you know, we, their user activity. And I would see that oftentimes the people that were, complaining about not having matches would swipe no on 95% of the options we presented to them. And so this might sound kind of basic, but I think um, just being a little bit more open-minded and flexible from the beginning, from that, what we call the top of the funnel, you know, just like letting a a few more people um, get past that first gate so that there's a chance to meet them in real life um, will also help. And then, I think thirdly, something I, I've noticed, um, you know, in my personal dating history with men is um, that it, it really helps when they listen and take an interest in the woman. So on a lot of first dates, I have found that men who I think are interested in me, they're so focused on impressing me with information about themselves that it doesn't really feel like a connecting conversation. It feels like um, they're sort of filling their, the highlights of their autobiography. Um, and then, you know, the worst thing I've been on the receiving end is after a guy will talk for 10 minutes straight about himself, he'll catch himself and he'll say, he'll say, oh gosh, I feel like I'm doing so much talking. Tell me about you. And at that moment, I think to myself, if you can't think of a way to open the app or engage with me, um, that's a little bit more specific and thoughtful than tell me about you. Um, we're not going to get along. And so I guess my, my advice is to, you know, and this can start from the first message you send on the dating app. 
take an interest in, in her, um, you know, make it a real connecting conversation rather than just portraying, um, portraying your best qualities to her. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that as, as, as advice. (laughs) And I can, I can second that, that I've been on multiple dates, first dates, because I didn't really want to see those guys again, but multiple first dates where it's exactly what you said. Like, I think the guy liked me. And so there was a way that he was maybe nervous. I don't know. Um, but he ended up talking about himself, you know, 80 to 90% of the time. And the result is that I felt invisible. I felt Mm. invisible. Like I felt like not beautiful, not attractive, not, um, excited, to see him again, not only not excited to see him, but just like sad. Like I remember going home from a lot of those days, just feeling kind of down and like, like not happy. And upon reflection, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the opposite of how that man wanted me to feel. He wanted me to feel lit up and turned on and radiant, excited and happy. And I left like a date with him feeling like sad. So I just want to like second that and say like, yeah, putting attention on her is critical in terms of her interest. So no, it doesn't matter how cool you are or how much cool stuff you've done. If she feels sad at the end of the date, like making sure to put attention on her. And like you said, I've definitely had that experience too of like, oh, wow, I've been talking a lot. Like, tell me about you. And the man thinks that he's like in, inviting her out, but really it feels like well, ask me something, you know, ask me something Mm -hmm. interesting about my life or ask me something a little bit more specific. Um, so just to kind of help with that, like what's something you're really excited about in your life right now is a fairly general question that you can ask someone or what are the best and worst parts of your job? Those are two like interesting questions that you can get, then you can kind of go on a ride with, right? Like then listen and like ask a follow-up question, but just throwing it out there. Like those are questions I wish that a man had asked me. Um, and I don't know if you have any other suggestions of sort of like good date questions. Cause I think men would love to hear those. I think, yeah, I think those are great. Um, and I so resonate with the feeling of after a, after a date that's not positive, it's not just, Oh, well that didn't work. There is like, there is this sadness you know, and I think it's because we're all looking for connection, um, like real connection, even connection that we can just feel on a first date with a stranger. Um, so even a, a super basic question, like, how was your day? And, you know, if, if she says, oh, it was good, tell me more about it, what was good about it? Or, you know, or if she says, oh, it wasn't that great a day, tell me more about that. Um, things that just invite, you know, honest reflection of what's present for her. Um, can go a long way. Love it. So um, we've sort of talked about like past and present. And I'm wondering, as someone with a lot of insight in the industry, like where do you see online dating going in the future? What do you think is going to shift and change and upgrade? Hopefully upgrade. So hopefully, you know, I think online dating is one of those technologies that has advanced faster than our culture has figured out how to cope with it and use it healthfully, um, or healthfully, I should say. Um, so I think, you know, in the future, I hope to see 
um, better like sort of norms and protocols be established around online dating behavior and maybe even see those norms and protocols be built into the apps um, and suggested um, through the technology itself. Um, I know just from, you know, talking to a lot of people in the industry, that there's a lot of excitement about combining online dating with VR. So, you know, getting an even, even more rich um, idea of who this person is by being able to simulate, instead of having to go to the bar to meet them, you know, using VR to simulate a live interaction with them um, is, is something I think a lot of players are interested in, but just starting to, to play around with and, I think we're a ways off from that because we're actually, there are, there are a ton of, of dating apps um, that are playing around with video and live chat, but even those are having a, a hard time um, getting adopted. You know, we're, we're still really focused on photos and profiles in a sort of static, asynchronous way. But I think eventually um, we'll, we'll move more in the direction of video because you can learn so much more through video than you can through pictures. Um, you know, my personal hope, and I think this is reflected in the company that I personally built, um, is that we start focusing less on trying to predict love and compatibility through the screen and focusing more on just mastering the logistics of getting people out together. I think it's really funny that we're talking about technology and your technology is like skipping right now. But yeah, what I hear you saying is... Um, kind of like using the technology to get to the in-person faster rather than trying to use the technology to match, like to actually like facilitate the match itself. I'm just wondering in terms of the, the apps that you started and sort of the future of the industry, like do you foresee an app where you could do both like single dates or group dates? And then my follow-up question is, you know, one thing that I've always thought would be kind of efficient is like mixers, right? So like lots of people like Wim is going to do a mixer this Friday, you know, from four to seven at this happy hour, like come, you know, because then you're all going sort of in real life and meeting lots of people at the same time. Do you see that as part of possibly the future of the industry? So to the first question, I think something we've seen is that the apps that are the most successful are the ones that do one thing really well. So I think, um, you know, I think there's, there's definitely a place for single, like one-on-one -on -one dates. There's a place for group dates and there's a place for mixers. Um, and I think they're each such a different experience, um, user experience to master, um, that it's likely that a different company would be kind of at the helm of, optimizing each of those. Um, when it comes to mixers or, you know, larger group gatherings, I think those are a fantastic way to meet people. The thing that dating mixers contend against is this, there's kind of, unless it's done in a very particular way, there can be this sort of negative energy around the whole thing where everyone's like, oh, everyone else is going to be here. It's going to be single and desperate too, unless they come up with a way to make it um, cool and interesting. And part of, you know, one way to do that is to give it, um, to give it a, a theme that everyone's interested in. So, um, you know, here in San Francisco, I see some pretty cool mixers happening that are all about authentic relating or authentic connection. And so instead of just throwing a bunch of people into a room and having everyone wear a name tag and having them sort of, 
um, be on their own and getting to know people, they actually do authentic relating games. And they don't even present it as a dating mixer, but everybody kind of knows and understands that most people who are attending an authentic, authentic relating um, workshop evening are looking to connect with somebody new. Um, so I'd like to see a lot more of that happening. Um, and I think, I think it, it is happening and it will continue to. Um, as far as the, the future of online dating, people, especially here in Silicon Valley, can't help but, trying to, but try to technologize everything. And so, you know, I think we will see work being done in AR and VR. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little skeptical about how effective that will actually be for end results. But I know that um, I know that there's going to be a lot of attempts in that kind of space. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to touch on was you mentioned video. And that's been something that's puzzled me for ages is why aren't we using video more in dating? Because... Like, I remember a guy I matched with on Meet Mindful, and he was a cinematographer, and a lot of his uh, pictures had a camera in front of his face, so I couldn't really see his face, but he had his Instagram on there. So I went on his Instagram, and he had um, a couple videos of himself, and one of them he was, like, canvassing for Obama or something, and I was like, oh, that's cool, and I could hear his voice. And I could see what he, I mean, it was him holding it in front of his face. So it was, you know, shaky and it wasn't very good footage, but it was so, it was, then I was into meeting him. I was like, oh, I really like you. Like I could see myself on a date with you. Like I'm now I'm into it. Whereas before I was like, I don't know. I can't really see his face. Is that a red flag? You know, is there something he's hiding? And after seeing a video and it was only like a 10 second video, I was way into it. So I was like, this seems obvious. Why hasn't this been adopted yet? I don't really understand. And it sounds like from what you're saying, it's like pretty low adoption from people. And I'm wondering if that's because like people are intimidated, like they don't want to put a video of themselves out there. Do you think there's like a level of protection that we feel around just still photos? Absolutely. I think um, it's so true that it is such a more effective way to, um, get a perspective on somebody because you can hear their voice, see the way they move, maybe even understand more about um, what they're interested in. So all of that is wonderful for online dating. And it's exactly as you said, what it's contending against is that photos allow people to just put their most flattering angle forward. Um, almost everybody can find five really attractive photos of themselves. It's like you get to really cherry pick your the, the best very best moments from the last, you know, three years of your life and distill them down to your five top photos, whereas video is just so much more revealing. Um, and so, you know, unless everybody's doing video, then if you put, put forth your video, then you have a chance of appearing sort of in a less flattering light than the people who are keeping more behind the curtain, keeping more mystique by putting only their photos. Um, that said, you know, the younger generation is like, you know, millennials and, um, whoever the generation is that's even younger than millennials. I'm not sure what they're called. They're called Gen Z. The Gen Z. Yeah. They're even more, far more comfortable with um, video and video selfies than um, people in their thirties and beyond. So I do think we'll, we'll gradually start to see more video adoption. Um, There's this great new app called vibes um, that was designed by women um, to make sort of a video video premise dating app feel safe for women because that's another issue that comes up with video is um if you're 
if you're at all exploring like live video chat, um, sometimes, you know, women are encountering intimidating or unsavory, um, video from men. And so vibes has figured out this way to do it sort of asynchronously, um, so that they can moderate the content that comes through and, and keep everything above board. That's cool. And by asynchronously, you mean like he sends a video and then they, they sort of vet it and then they send it to her and vice versa. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's, but it's still personalized to her. It's still like a video conversation, but you know, you can, you can send your 30 second clip now and then maybe I'll see it and respond to it six hours later. Like Snapchat, like Snapchat kind of. Sure. Exactly. Um, cool. All right. So we're going to start to wrap up pretty soon, but we mentioned a couple of things I want to make sure people get. So, um, you just mentioned vibes with an S V I B E S vibes. And then yours are whim and tonight. And are they available everywhere in the U S are they available outside the U S what's the scope? Um, they're available outside the U S as well right now. So anywhere sort of in the, in the States and then some places outside in the U S and beyond all around the world. Yes. Perfect. And are there any other like apps or sort of dating things that you want to mention as you, as you sort of like, since, cause you sort of have a bird's eye view of like kind of a lot of things that are going on in the industry, um, that a lot of us don't, don't have. So is there anything else you'd sort of recommend? You're like, I think that this is pretty cool or that's coming up. You know, I think each of the apps has a slightly different reputation and tends to draw maybe like a little bit of a different crowd at the same time, nearly any single in an urban center that you talk to is on four dating apps all at once. Um, and so it's kind of just a matter of how much time and energy you want to put into it. Um, I think I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend one mainstream dating app over another. Um, but I, the thing I would say is that, um, everybody should try to online date in a healthy and sustainable way rather than, um, spending two hours a day on their apps and then burning out two weeks later and having to take a break. I like that sort of like the moderation approach. The other thing I've heard a couple people doing is, um, the group idea. So they'll, they'll message someone to be like, Hey, do you want to maybe get like a friend or two and go to like a beer garden on Friday? So they'll initiate a group date through one of the apps. So I'm throwing that out there as an option that I've heard of that I think is pretty cool. Um, I don't know how that would be received by everyone, but I know I would feel more comfortable with that. Like back to that group idea. You don't have to necessarily be using a group app to sort of throw that out there. Yeah, exactly. I love that idea as well. Okay, cool. So um, I think we're going to start to wrap. I'm just, is there any final advice that you would give a man who wants to date online and like find his woman? (laughs) Um, I'll just, I'll just go back to what I said earlier, which is be genuinely interested in her. Um, She cares less about what you've accomplished and more about how she feels in your presence. Does she feel seen and heard and understood and appreciated? Um, so I think keeping those values in mind would be the, the piece of advice that I would want to end with. Perfect. Love it. 
That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.